Hey, this is Michelle. Welcome back to Not Your Mana. As has been my custom lately, I have some more nuggets of thought for you. Um, these are three thoughts out of Acts 3 and 4 and beyond. Anyway, here you go. Hey, this is Michelle. I have some thoughts for you today out of Acts 3 and 4. Um, in the sermon that Jeff gave this Sunday, he talked about how you can tell how a life is changed by the Holy Spirit. That when somebody is really has met Jesus and the Holy Spirit has moved into their life, that they start to be a different kind of person. That when you're truly indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and you're trying to follow him, life looks different. And um, he's a lot of great examples of what that looks like in the book of Acts. And I just wanted to follow up with that and look at um, Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And so this is Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So what does it look like to have the fruit of the Spirit coming out of you? That when someone is full of the Spirit, what should come out of them are these things. Like if a tree naturally produces its fruit when it is mature and producing fruit, when it's healthy, what should come out of a mature, fruitful believer? Well, this tells us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I don't know about you, but I memorized that at some point, And so it's easy for me just to like rattle it off and like miss it. But I'm like, what if what if I even just read it backwards? Would it hit us different? Like a life that is full of the Holy Spirit should look like self-control, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, kindness, patience, peace, joy, and love. Oh, I want to be that kind of person. Like I think when you're really full of the Holy Spirit, what happens is what what happens to you when life squeezes you? When you get squeezed, when things get hard, what comes out? And the more you have kept in step with the Spirit, it says, like, since we are filled with the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think the more we keep in step with the Spirit, when life squeezes us, what comes out is things like kindness and goodness and self-control and gentleness and patience and peace. Is that what your life is marked by? And if it's not, if it's, if it's, if it's full of some more, some other things, uh, like, uh, it talks about the acts of the sinful nature right before that and things like hatred, discord, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, all these things. Because if my life looks more like that than like a life that's full of the spirit, what do you do? 
well, you can't like double down. I'm just, I'm just going to squeeze more Holy Spirit into my body. It's actually about intimacy with the Spirit. What does it look like to go, God, I want to know more of you and I want you to more deeply fill me so that when I am squeezed, that you naturally come out of me. That the love that is you, that is the peace, the patience, the kindness that is you, the faithfulness that is you, would come out of me naturally. So Holy Spirit, fill me more. It's all about pursuing him. It's not about trying to be more kind. It's saying, Holy Spirit, I surrender myself to you and I want you to dwell me more deeply so that I will be more full of you and that you will be what will come out of me. Um, lastly, I just want to read this out of Matthew seven sixteen. It's a similar kind of thought. Um, Jesus says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So good trees produce good fruit. Um, so that, and bad trees produce bad fruit. So by their fruit, you will recognize them. So a, a person who is full of the Holy Spirit will, will bring the fruit of the Spirit into the world. And a person who's not will bring those other things. Um, and I don't think it's ours to judge other people about like, oh, you must not be very full of spirit. I do think it's your job to judge yourself and to get real honest about where is it that I am full of the Holy Spirit and that when I'm squeezed, that's what's coming out of me. And it's goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and things that feel like God himself. Is that what's coming out of me or is it these other things that's coming out of me um, on my bad day, in my worst moment, what's coming out? And how do I get more deeply intimate with the Holy Spirit to fix that? So I think this is not a place we point fingers. I think this is a place where we look inside. And this is a thing that happens between you and your God and not um, you to point fingers at your community and the people around you. So um, let's pray about that. Holy Spirit, will you open the eyes of our hearts? Will you help us to see what's going on inside of us? Will you show us the places where we are uh, full of you? Will you shine light on the places where we are not? And Holy Spirit, will you discipline us? Will you teach us? Will you edit us? Will you, will you show us the places where we need more of you? And God, and I pray more than anything, that we would just be willing to be filled by you, that we would be willing to want more of you and to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. May we be a people who are marked by our intimacy with you in the fullness of you living inside us. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Michelle. With a couple more thoughts out of Acts 3 and 4. Um, okay, so just to remind us and set the stage, this is what's happened. So Peter... And John were going up to the temple to pray, and there was a cripple at the gate, and he was begging. And Peter says, 
silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Um, I love that he says that. Like, I don't have any silver or gold that you think you're begging for. I have something that's going to change your life. Like, oh, that's just a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. I think often what we think we're looking for um, is not what we actually need. So, that was a side note. That was for free. Okay. Um, so, Peter, they heal this the guy, and then he preaches to all the people who are around. So again, Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, just like he was right after Pentecost, and starts preaching. And this day, it says that their number grew to 5,000. So uh, previously, we were at 3,000. So maybe 2,000 people come to the Lord and understand who Jesus is because of this sermon that he gave because he was full of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit's doing his thing, and Peter and John are being real surrendered to the movement of the Spirit. So then he gets in trouble. So the Sanhedrin uh, come and get him, and they are going to put him on trial, and they're asking him questions, and he he does the same. He speaks from his heart. And and then they release, they say, hey, don't talk about this anymore, and they send them back. And Peter and John go back to all of the believers and the people and tell them what had happened. And they, um, this is their prayer. So this is John, sorry, Acts 4, 29. It says, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, consider their threats, like the threats of the people around them, and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So they're just like so surrendered to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. They're like, God, we're seeing you move, and we're seeing thousands of people come to understand who you are and know you. And they're realizing the power of the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus is doing through them. And they're, they're saying, speak your word with great boldness, God. So they are aware that they are doing it, but that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. And then, I mean, what would this have been like after they prayed the place where their meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, like God is on the move. Next line. So in my NIV Bible, there's like a break right here. And I just wonder what would happen if there was, if we hadn't inserted a break there. So it says that they prayed, the place was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. All of the believers were one in heart and mind. There's some, a unity that's happening because of their surrender to the Holy Spirit. All the believers were one in heart and mind. Verse 32, no one claimed any of his possessions as their own, and they shared everything they had with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. From, from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So they're just living in this like crazy community. They're just going like, they're sharing everything. No one has need. They are loving each other really well. Um... And what would it look like to live in the kingdom of God where if someone had a need that we knew that the need could be met from someone else in the body, that in the kingdom of God, God has this. And I have watched that happen in my life over and over. And I don't know if it's being in ministry and um, living thinly as 
we have to being in ministry and just the way that God has provided in his crazy extravagance blows my mind. And it has happened a comically often amount of times. And sometimes the Lord just, I'm like the way he provides and the way that he moves the people in the kingdom of God to provide for the needs of the servants of God is absolutely astounding. So I just want to say a small commercial of gratitude to people who one have provided for me really extravagant, beautiful things, but also just people who are willing to follow the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, Hey, give this away or, um, I just heard a story of a guy who his his truck was broken and there was going to be a big uh, bill to get the transmission fixed. And he went out of town, dropped the car off at the car dealer, got home and the bill had been paid. Um, the Lord sometimes from an anonymous person, like sometimes God moves like that. And I have watched that happen so many times in my life. I am so humbled and so grateful by just the, the abundant and often anonymous generosity of the people in the kingdom of God. Um, what happens when we follow God in extravagant ways? And, and I think what's maybe not just the financial piece of that, I think that that's maybe a minor side note, but I love this piece in verse 32. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. So they were working together to advance the kingdom of God and that they were experiencing him. They were, they were surrendered to his movement and the Holy Spirit was adding to their number daily, it says. And then sometimes there's these huge influxes of people who all of a sudden get it and understand it. Um, and this is Philippians 1.27, and it says this. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in the manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Oh, I just pray about that all the time. I just go like, God, in our kingdom, would we contend as one man for the faith of the gospel? Would you unify us in the body of Christ to be able to actually care for one another, but also just to move in unity together? Like, I think it's the difference between a um, a body that works well together. Like I'm thinking of like right now the Olympics is going on. So like the way an Olympian's body works in unity, like the way Simone Biles' body is like fluid and powerful and it like, it just all communicates with each other and does what it's supposed to do. I think that is how the body of Christ is supposed to operate. And I feel like often we look more like a marionette puppet that's kind of disjointed and like walks really awkwardly because we are not contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. And the only way we can do that is by the power and the unity that comes through the Holy Spirit. And when we look at what happens in with how God takes that unity of the kingdom in Acts, and then like what happens in the book of Acts when they live like that? Like the glory, the power of the Lord, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders and beautiful things happen. The Holy Spirit draws people to himself. And how is that a result of the unity and peace that was amongst the believers, that they were contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, that they were giving to each other and caring for each other and loving one another in extravagant ways, sacrificially. What happens in the body of Christ when that happens? Um, and I think like in my life, I can say that there's exponential deep fruit in my life 
from the, both the ways that I have given and the way that I have received out of that. Um, but I think it's not meant to be an individual thing. I think it's meant to be a kingdom and holistic church kind of thing. When we are living this surrendered to the Holy Spirit and giving each other out of um, generosity, out of our gifts, out of who we are made to be, that the Holy Spirit will move us in a way that looks a whole lot more like Simone Biles and a whole lot less like a marionette puppet. That we could actually live in beautiful, powerful, and awe-inspiring ways in the kingdom of God if we would surrender to the Holy Spirit and live in unity and contend as one man for the faith of the gospel. All right, let's pray about that. God, would you teach us how to do that? Would you teach us how to live that way? Would you help us to be so surrendered to your spirit that we would move as you ask us to move to care for and be cared for by people in the kingdom? But more than that, that we would be so attuned in your spirit that we would find ourselves contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, that you would do, that you would shake the kingdom, God, and as we surrender and as we follow, that you, Holy Spirit, would erupt, that you would cause the fruit of the kingdom to multiply and manifest, and that as your word says, that as we lift you up, that you would draw all men to yourself. Help us to be so surrendered that we would lift you up in beautiful, powerful ways, that you would draw all men to yourself, that the kingdom of God would come. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd rise up among us, that the Holy Spirit would come. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Michelle with another follow-up thought from the sermon this week. Um, in his sermon, Jeff mentioned Corey Ten Boom, this beautiful quote by her. And it made me think about her story. I don't know if you know her story. Um, she, her story is written in a book called The Hiding Place. And it is one of the most profound and beautiful books I ever read. I actually read it out loud with a friend. My friend Jenny and I read it back and forth to one another. And it was such a rich thing to see. It's a story of her family. It was a Christian family during World War II. And they hid Jews. And eventually they got caught and sent to a concentration camp. And her and her sister were together in the concentration camp. And... um this story just has such a profound, had a profound effect on me. And I think about it all the time. And even when Jeff just mentioned her name today, this is what came back to me is so, okay. Her and her sister are in a concentration camp. It's miserable and horrible as of course you would expect. And there's like these big, like the barrack dorms kind of where they stay. So it's just like, I, in my memory, it's like this, the bunks are like three or four high and it's this huge room and just all these people. And her and her sister were like kind of far in the back. And, um, it just was horrible and miserable. Well, there was fleas that were in there and they were, you know, getting bit and it was horrible. And, uh, Corey's sister says, Hey, we need to be thankful for the fleas because Corey was mad at them and, you know, angry. And, and she was, it was this verse, um, this is first Thessalonians five sixteen. It says, be joyful always pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, so because of it, she's like, Hey, we got to give thanks in all circumstances. 
So we're going to give thanks for the fleas. And she's like, I am not going to be thankful for the fleas. And I think that she understood the power of gratitude. Like, what is it that gratitude actually does to our heart? How can we be thankful in all circumstances? And how does gratitude actually unleash the power of God? Like, I tend to think of gratitude as a nice thing as opposed to a powerful thing or a like, like a, like a spiritual weapon, that this is something that God could use to do spiritually powerful things would be gratitude. Um, cause it's a command, give thanks in all circumstances. And you're just like, I, ugh. anyway, so she begrudgingly was like, thank you God for the fleas. And her sister was like, no, we're actually gonna be grateful. So we, week day after day, they would say, thank you God for the fleas. And what ended up happening is because of the fleas, the, Nazi soldiers would no longer come into the dorm rooms, like into the barracks, because they didn't want to be around the fleas. So they stopped patrolling the barracks. And because of that, they had a Bible that they had somehow like hidden in the, amongst their bunk and they could do Bible study like in the barracks, in the back of their bunk, because the fleas had driven the soldiers away. And she said that that was like one of the things that kept them alive and like kept people they were able to share Christ with people. They were able to share love with people. They were able to pray with people because the fleas had driven away the Nazi soldiers who were always looking over their shoulder. And so I always think of that story like I don't want to be thankful for the fleas in my life. That actually feels horrible. And God can do amazing things through the most unexpected of things. So I don't think that, you know, God sent the fleas. I do think that God used the fleas for really beautiful and powerful things. And I wonder how eternity was changed because of the fleas. Is it possible that eternity could change because God intervenes in the midst of of horrible circumstances to bring about his goodness and his power and his kingdom. And how could I be a person who instead of grumbling and complaining about the things I don't like, if I could be grateful and open-handed and saying, God, what do you want to do in and in the midst of and through this situation? So let's pray about that. God, would you help us to be thankful in all circumstances? Would you be help us to be grateful in the midst of things that we don't like? Um, as a spiritual act of worship of God, of, know, of, of saying that in this horrible thing, I know that you can do powerful things. That Holy Spirit, you can show up in the kingdom of God in the midst of anything and in everything. So, Lord, we, we ask you to do that in our lives right now and the things that are hard. Will you meet us tenderly and powerfully in the midst of those things? I pray that I would be able to take the things that are painful and pokey in my heart and hold them open-handed up to you in gratitude and say, God, will you do what only you can do with this? Um, so, Lord, thank you for the story of Corey Ten Boom and her family and her sister and her faithfulness. Um, I pray, thank you for the way that it changed me. And I pray that I would live in such a way that I would be able to experience your power and your goodness and your glory in crazy ways because I trust you immensely in the midst of the hardship. Holy Spirit, come and show me how to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>